Our scripture today on this Pentecost Sunday comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Hear the word of God. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds and power. All were amazed and perplexed and saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, ah, they're filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. Some of you have heard me tell the story of the time moons and moons ago when I was out visiting a good friend of mine in California. Tim was pastoring a church up in Port Wyneme, which is right there on the Pacific coast. And while I was there, he received an invitation from one of his parishioners for us to go sailing. Now, I'm not much of a sailor. I've been out a few times, but I grew up on a lake. So the idea of a little pleasure cruise on the Pacific Ocean sounded nice to me. So late that afternoon, Tim and I made our way over to the man's house, whose name was Bob. And there behind Bob's house was this beautiful 36-foot sailboat. Now, it turned out that there were four of us who were going to be taking this little excursion upon the Pacific, two of whom knew nothing about sailing, I being one of them. So we got on the boat, checked some last-minute things, untied the lines, and off we went. Now, in order to get out to the ocean from his place, we had to pass through a series of canals, and then finally into the harbor, and then finally out to sea. And so for a while, we just chugged along under the power of the boat's motor just to get us out to the harbor but before we started out, I hadn't realized how windy it was. And it seemed that with each passing minute we drew closer and closer to the ocean, it got windier and windier. And then all of a sudden, Bob, the captain, shouted out, okay, gentlemen, let's prepare to race. Race? I didn't know we were racing. Nobody said anything about racing. I was going to be a pleasure cruise. I was ready for the cheese and crackers. 
But before I knew it, the sails were up, the engine was off, the wind was getting windier, the waves were getting wavier. And I remember, I'm not a sailor, so as we got into the harbor and did that little jockeying for the start thing, and then out under the ocean with the boat going this way and the boat going that way, giving new meaning to the phrase keel over, and as the waves seemed to be tossing around at the whim, and as Captain Bob was barking out orders with a voice that betrayed a slight sense of panic, and as was all that I could do to hold on to the lines which were holding the sails, which was holding the wind, which was driving us further and further from the shore. It was then that I began to think, what a wonderful life I've lived. <laughs> we were on that ocean for three hours. It took me about the first hour to realize that we were probably not going to die, underline the word probably. No, it wasn't until we were well into the race with the ocean spray in our face, the wind whipping us around, the boom swinging back and forth, almost taking my head off a few times. It wasn't until then that I began to realize that this was probably not the end of my life. This was sailing. <laughs> this is what happens when you put into the deep, when you raise your sails, when you let the wind take you. And parenthetically, we finished dead last in the race. <laughs> Without the wind, Sailing is not much fun. If you don't have the wind, it doesn't feel like sailing. Which may be something important to keep in mind. When we celebrate this day we call Pentecost, Pentecost among many things, was a wind event. At least that's what Luke would have us understand. Last week, we reflected on the ascension of Jesus, remember? And Jesus handing the keys to the kingdom to the disciples, telling them that it was their turn to drive. And his command was to wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit. You will receive power, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes. You become the church when the Holy Spirit comes. It's not that the Holy Spirit hasn't been around. We saw the Spirit descending upon Jesus in his baptism. We saw the Spirit moving Jesus out into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit, this third person of the Trinity, has been around since the very beginning, but there comes a time when the Spirit is manifested in an unmistakable way, and on Pentecost, the Spirit, the Spirit comes with the rush of a mighty wind, tongues as a fire, and the rush of a mighty wind. The, the Spirit was moving, and the Spirit was moving these men, filling their sails and dancing them across the white cap. There may have been a little taste of this when a while back they were taking a little jaunt across the Galilean Sea, these disciples, and Scripture tells us that the wind picked up. Jesus was in the boat, and the wind picked up. What a wonderful way of thinking about the church, this group of people who have Jesus with them, and the wind is picking up. I'll be with you always, Jesus says, and oh, by the way, the wind is going to pick up. Not much fun, according to Jesus, not much fun being the church if you got no wind. 
So the wind comes to these disciples in their little hideaway, and as the story goes, these uncertain men get blown out of their little room and into the streets, and they begin speaking in ways that can be understood by a kaleidoscope of people. So strange is this wind event, so chaotic it feels this manifestation of the Spirit that folks begin to think that maybe these guys got into the wine cellar, uncorked a few bottles. Because that's the kind of thing that happens when the wind comes. He or she might cause us to act a little bit out of our minds. Which may explain why us Presbyterians has always had a little question mark, a little arm's length with this Pentecost thing. Historically, we Presbyterians have been the cerebral types. The idea of doing something a little bit out of our minds is not a very comfortable thought. We like reason. We like common sense. We like things being done decently and in order. We like agendas. We like minutes. We like budgets. We like Robert's Rules of Order. We're not much into win. We're not much into acting out of our minds. We don't like the chaos the wind brings. But when there is no wind, there is no church. The Bible over and over again makes the point. When Peter has a dream in which the Spirit prompts him to set sail for Caesarea up the coast of the Mediterranean, because in Caesarea, there was this Roman centurion and his family, and they needed him. So Peter set sail, took the wind, went north to Caesarea, and entered the home of a Gentile Roman army general. And they speak back and forth in languages they can both understand. And when the spirit blows like the rush of a mighty wind, Peter feels moved, because that's what the spirit does. The spirit's always going to move you. Peter feels moved to baptize for the first time a Gentile. To baptize this Gentile, Roman general, and his family. And scripture says the decently and in order people said, oh no, you can't do that. We're a Jewish sect. We didn't pass any motions. There is no mention of this in the minutes. We can't be just going ahead baptizing Gentiles. And it causes quite a stir when the Spirit blows Peter past the previous code of conduct, the previous rules and regulations. When there is no Spirit, there is no wind. And when there is no wind, there is no church. So when the old prophet says that what the Lord doth require of us is for us to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God, which has been our theme throughout this whole year, he had to have known how hard that would be to figure out. He had to have known what mischief this might create. He had to have known that when Jesus attempted to interpret this vision and wave that banner for Jesus, it would mean reaching out to all the folks that everybody else was saying, 
yuck to. Everybody else was saying yuck to. The prostitutes, the lepers, the unclean, the tax collectors, the people of a different party, the people of a different opinion. What was Jesus thinking? Was he out of his mind? Perhaps doing something like that can end you up on a cross. But the Spirit sometimes takes us out to the stormy seas. The wind whips up the waves and sometimes even puts the ship at risk. What was William Wilberforce thinking, the 19th century member of the British Parliament and abolitionist, what was he thinking when he stood up against the deeply ingrained institution of slavery and led the movement to tear it down? What was he thinking? Was he out of his mind? Had he broken into the wine cellar? Or had the wind picked up? Was Jesus in the boat and the wind picked up? It's not often when Pentecost falls on Memorial Day weekend. And so when it does, I suppose it's important to pay attention to what those days side by side might say. Tomorrow you will find me, as you will every Memorial Day, walking amidst the markers of the National Cemetery out in Sarasota, giving thanks for the men and women who gave a portion of their lives to our country and some who gave the supreme sacrifice of their lives. It is a sacred place, this garden of devotion. I encourage you to visit it, to see these lives of men and women who sacrificed to a cause greater than themselves. They lived and died for freedom and above this garden, these fellow citizens who have preceded us in death, above these veterans, the flag hangs at half-mast, billowed by the wind. Billowed by the wind, our national banner swelled and swirled by a breeze we cannot see. As Christians, as people of faith, when we look at that banner of liberty and justice, we think of its being billowed by a certain wind, an unmeteorological wind, the wind of the Holy Spirit. We pursue liberty and justice as the Spirit moves us to liberty and justice. Our freedom is in the Spirit. Paul says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so we pursue the Spirit's freedom, the Spirit's justice, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. And if for Peter, it meant the Gentile general, and for, Je if for Jesus, it meant the lawbreakers and the morally suspect, and if for William Wilberforce, it meant the slave, if for all of them, it meant some human being or human beings who felt outside the boat, well then, what might this wild and mighty spirit be moving us toward. Years ago, with another church, I had several opportunities to visit the Copan region of Honduras, which is on the other side of the country from where we normally go uh, from Church of the Palms in El Progreso. And we went there to partner with brothers and sisters in Christ who are providing health care and schooling for children 
One night while we were there in the wee hours of the night, a knock came to my door. It awakened me. It was the leader of our group there to tell me that a visitor was there asking for help. A few of us gathered and went down to the lobby and there sat a, a young, very pregnant mother and her infant and her toddler. Through an interpreter, we learned her story. They were living with an abusive husband and father and they feared for their lives. They were penniless and had only the clothes on their back and they were fleeing. They had family on the other side of the country but they didn't have a bus ticket or money or food for the clandestine journey. This young mother was all alone, desperate, a desperate fellow human being caring for a brood of children. Our little group huddled together to discuss what we could do the things we did not discuss were immigration policy or theories on the nuclear family or the rights and wrongs of divorce or the philosophy behind monetary aid. What we discussed was four scared and sacred human beings. Did you ever realize that the words scared and sacred have the same letters? scared and sacred human beings fleeing for their lives who felt very outside of the love of Jesus. So the wind picked up a little and we hid them in our rooms for the rest of the night and we chipped in for bus fare and we walked and food and other expenses and we walked them to the station surrounding them and put them on their first rickety bus to freedom. Nothing very courageous about any of that. But the eyes of that mother and those children, it was those eyes. It was in those eyes, in that humanness, that the spirit got us. And we were moved. And maybe that's where the Spirit always gets us. In the eyes and faces of all the children of God, those inside the boat and those especially outside. And if the Spirit and the Spirit moves us, and we dare to hoist our sails, and we dare to put out into the deep, and we dare to hold on to the lines which hold the sails, and we dare to remember that Jesus is in the boat, and we dare to worry less about ourselves and more about the other, and now we're sailing. We're doing all that we were being called to do from the very beginning. And sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes we seem out of our minds. Sometimes we may go way beyond the boundary, but that's bound to happen when you've got Jesus in the boat, and the wind picks up. Blow, Holy Spirit. Fill our sails with your love. Show us your children. Take us out of our minds. Remind us of Jesus. Move, Holy Spirit, us out of the comforts of our hiding places and into the streets that we will discover again the joy of our master, the joy when all find liberty and justice, when all will discover what was true all along, that all of us, every single one of us, is a child of God because when there is no wind, there is no church.